and welcome to Unbreak Your Health, the podcast program about the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'm Alan Smith in Plano, Texas, author of Unbreak Your Health, and today our topic is V-Venom Therapy, or BVT, and our guest is Frederic Keller, president of the American Apiotherapy Society. Frederic is also a licensed acupuncturist and medical herbalist and has been a beekeeper for over 20 years. How long have we known about the healing power of bee venom? Well, mankind has really known about it since the time of Alexander the Great in ancient Greece's tree with bee things for hip pain, Charlemagne, thousands of years actually. And C.W. Wolf of Berlin wrote The Poison of the Honeybee back in 1858. So it has been across history that there is evidence of bee things for pain. Isn't bee venom used in homeopathy? It is also used homeopathically, yes, and that's a little younger, that is more recent than the actual use of bee stings in the record books. Do people actually get stung by live bees, or is it possible to have it injected by a doctor? It is possible to have both, either injected as an apitoxin, which is by injection, or by the live bee itself. So you can do both. I've seen that the standardized venom can also be used in a cream or ointment, too. Is that right? Yes, definitely. A lot of people, since they're afraid of the bees and don't want the entire whole reaction of the bee venom, might want to get started with a bee venom cream or ointment instead, and then maybe get some courage and try a few things for their conditions. I've also heard that there are at least 18 different active components in the venom. Oh, wow. That's on the low side. <laughs> it's actually over, over 60. <laughs> well, that's why I call and check with the experts. Yeah, it's actually over 60, and some of them are not even identified yet. And one of the main ones is melatonin and dolapine, apamine, hyaluronidase. And the melatonin is actually 50% of the dry weight of the bee venom. And it is, you know, anti-inflammatory. It's also antibacterial, antifungal, and it produces cortisol in the body. It raises the cortisol levels. And so it's quite potent. And the other interesting component is the peptide Number 401, it's like my favorite little peptide there. It is 100 times more effective than cortisone, so therefore it relieves pain. Substantially by that ratio. Yeah. Yeah, so the general effects of the venom with all these components is it activates the immune system and stimulates the pituitary cortical secretion of cortisol, which has an immediate anti-inflammatory effect. And so people feel it immediately. And then there's secondary effect and then improving blood circulation and then decreasing pain. So that's basically how it works. How does one actually do bee venom therapy? Well, you would either go to a physician who is licensed to inject bee venom. You'd have to check with your particular state. Or you can find someone who does bee venom therapy with live bees. Now, there is no licensure for it, so it's pretty much of a grassroots movement that we're trying to get into the mainstream to use honeybees as a medical device. But right now, you can check with the American Apitherapy Society, and we have a whole network of people who help each other, and we also teach and educate so that you could do it on yourself and friends and family. Then you can go to a beekeeper, ask for a jar of bees, or else you can also order bees by mail for bee venom therapy. I have to ask the question, Frederic, doesn't it hurt? Of course it does to these things. <laughs> <laughs> but nothing compared to a cortisone injection, for instance. And it's mainly the first one and the anticipation of the whole system that is the scariest and hurts because you don't know what to expect. But after people get it stung over a period of time, it's not as bad 
I mean, the pain definitely diminishes, diminishes and your body acclimates to the venom. But it is a bee sting. It should look like a bee sting. It looks like a big mosquito bite surrounded by a lot of redness, a lot of swelling, and that is a t- typical normal reaction of a bee sting. So people say, oh, I'm allergic to bees. Less than 1% of the population is allergic to bees, and a bee sting should look like a bee sting. So if you're reacting, that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It means your immune system is responding. Therefore, a good prognosis for your condition. You mentioned that a small percentage of people are allergic to bee stings, so I assume that to be safe, a person should start with just one sting to see how they react? Well, if you go to a trained bee venom therapy practitioner or a physician, of course they're going to do a test sting. It's taking the bee and placing it on a a location on your body and removing the stinger immediately and waiting and watching, making sure that you are not allergic. Of course, there is always an EpiPen present. So it's done in a very controlled environment. And then you would do one more sting maybe. And then a couple days later, you would come back for another treatment and you would increase your stings gradually. And every single person is different as to how many stings they receive each time. So it's a small percentage of the population that is actually allergic, allergic. And those people usually know it and carry a bee sting kit around with them. So it takes a lot of stings to send somebody to their death by bee stings, to tell you the truth. So like like a child, for instance, who was about 60 pounds, 65 pounds, it takes 570 stings or more to have any kind of anaphylactic type reaction. That's a lot of stings. But for a man or a woman, it takes about 1,500 stings. You have to be chased by a lot of bees. BVT builds up the number of stings used, kind of like a weightlifter using heavier and heavier weights, doesn't it? Kind of. You're building on the amount of venom in your system and tolerance. So it's also a desensitization to the venom, in a sense. So if you are allergic to bee venom, you can desensitize with bee venom, and that would be almost like a homeopathic principle. How often can you use BVT? You can use BVT as maintenance. Let's say you have arthritic-type pains as you get older, and you have pain in the knees, pain in the shoulders, or tennis elbow pain, that kind of thing. You can use that and give yourself a quick sting occasionally, so once a month, every change of season, and just as maintenance and also for overall stimulation of your immune system against colds and flus. That would be a great thing. For other people who have autoimmune disorders like rheumatoid arthritis, for example, that a lot of studies have been done with bee venom for, those people have to maintain stinging themselves for six months or more in order to see results in a permanent way. So it's, it depends on what, you, what condition you have, in other words. So musculoskeletal problems and sports injuries respond a lot quicker to bee venom and they're self-limiting. And other conditions like the rheumatoid arthritis or osteoarthritis that's been chronic for a long time, that takes a longer treatment protocol. Does the time of year make any difference with the potency of bee venom? You know, that has been studied, and it has been shown that in the height of the beekeeping season, which is usually the summer, that the venom is more potent. Also in the springtime, as the bees start flying around, it gets stronger and stronger. And also the mature bee has the strongest venom. The, the bee that just emerges is developing her venom, so it depends also on the age of the bee. Isn't bee venom also being used in combination with lasers and electrotherapy? You know, I haven't heard that, although there is a device called the Steeper Pen, S-T-I-P-E-R, 
And it's a warming device, and if you put a little bit of bee venom cream, a bee venom solution on, let's say, an acupuncture point, and you warm up the points, it's called steeper bee venom therapy. And it's being used in uh, Germany and in some of the Latin American countries, and I think Spain as well, which is really interesting because it's a very soft way to do the bee venom rather than utilize a bee. But I don't know about the electro bee venom. I haven't heard that. Obviously, I run across a lot of research for my book. Yeah, yeah. Usually most people just use the live bees or the injectable bee venom or bee venom cream, or they use it as AP puncture, which is what I do, where you put in a, an acupuncture needle and then you put the bee next to the acupuncture needle. She releases her stinger right adjacent to the needle. So you have a deeper effect of where the venom goes along an acupuncture channel, for instance. Has there been a lot of scientific research on BVT? Yes, there has. It's been in the 1930s and in the 1940s. And then Charlie Moraz in the 1930s, he's a beekeeper from Vermont, really brought it to the forefront here in the United States by stinging people in his backyard from his beekeeper. And he really actually is one of the founders of the American Apotherapy Society. He has stung many, many people and really brilliant guy. And so there is evidence. And then there's also clinical evidence Clinical trials have been done for rheumatoid arthritis, for osteoarthritis, and Dr. Andrew Koken, who's on the board of the American Apotherapy Society, did a trial for post-herpetic neuralgia. So it's a trial of BDT for post-herpetic neuralgia, and he found that it was highly successful. And in follow-ups, even two years later, there was no increase in pain. And as you know, that's shingles. Shingles pain can be really excruciating. So, And he's still working with that in California. Are there any types of health problems or perhaps prescription drugs that would cause a person to avoid BVT? Yes, it's recommended that when you decide to receive BVT that you should really not be taking any beta blockers or any non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug because they do affect the treatment and the outcome of the B venom. So that would be the two that I would really think of uh, first off. And then, you know, there's other conditions too, like cardiac conditions. You have to take a whole intake of a patient's past history, what drugs, what vitamins they're on. So it's a whole comprehensive patient intake that needs to be done before anybody starts DVT. To also have family support. And there's other factors involved too, like a person's diet. Are they obese? Do they smoke? All these are lifestyle issues. So B-Venom is not a panacea. It needs to be utilized in context with other protocols. Speaking of other protocols, can B-Venom also be used with, say, essential oils? In what way? I had just read that there was some use, of, particularly apparently, of the uh, bee venom in a cream along with essential oils being used at the same time. Oh, well, in a cream, the essential oils are there as expedients to draw the bee venom into the skin. Okay, so you can use it if you're going to make a cream or a balm, then you would need the essential oils. And the essential oils also have their own properties, which can be anti-inflammatory, analgesic, and all of that. So in that respect, yes, then it can be used. Listeners, if you're enjoying this podcast, then you'll love my new book. The second edition of How to Unbreak Your Health is your map to the world of complementary and alternative therapies. It features a new user-friendly format and 339 new and updated listings in 150 different categories. And you can get it on Amazon.com or at your local bookstore. Now, bee venom therapy is really only one type of Apitherapy, isn't it? That's correct. 
B-Venom therapy is part of AP therapy, which is the medicinal use and therapeutic use of all the products of the beehive. So it's honey, pollen, propolis, royal jelly, bee venom, beeswax, bee bread, which is, and also there's drone larva in a lot of South American countries. And a lot of people also eat or drink a bee tea in South America. So they crush up the whole bee, which contains the venom and all the proteins in the bee and the honey stomach, and they drink it as a tonic. Speaking of honey, didn't Dr. Oz say that raw honey can help treat ulcers? He sure did, and he said that today, actually. So uh, he said raw honey is used in the treatment of, the, of ulcers due to the fact that it has antibacterial effects and treats the H. pylori bacteria in stomach ulcers. So that was quite enlightening to the public. Obviously, that was from your appearance on the Dr. Oz show. Yes, I helped him do the segment. I didn't actually appear on it. They cut the segment into like five minutes. And so, but I set up the segment for the Dr. Oz show and the research material behind the raw honey. And hopefully we'll be invited back to do more on bee venom and propolis as well, which is another component of vapor therapy and the beehive. What exactly is propolis? Propolis is actually the resin that comes from trees. And so the bees collect it and they glue the hive shut so that no light goes in and no pests or bacteria or funguses can penetrate the hive. So propolis actually means before the city, so protecting the city. And so if a mouse gets into the beehive, for instance, the bees sting it to death and then embalm it in the propolis so that it does not contaminate the rest of the hive because the hive is a sterile environment inside. It's really quite amazing. What exactly is royal jelly, and how is it used to treat health problems? Well, royal jelly is, is what the queen bee eats, and that is why she is living four to six years as opposed to worker bees, which are all females as well, only four to six weeks. And so the royal jelly is produced by the glands, a gland that the worker bees carry, and they feed it to the queen so that she can continue laying eggs for that period of time. And it is used for rejuvenation, for strong bones, brain function, helpful sleep. It's an incredible rejuvenator and also one of the most expensive components of the beehive. Is beeswax ever used in treatment? It is, and it's used in a lot of cosmetic preparations, so skin creams, uh, bee venom creams, it will have some beeswax in it too. And also for arthritis, you can dip your hands or feet if you have arthritis in, in those areas and coat your hands with the beeswax and it's pain relieving. So it's quite a treasure chest, <laughs> the beehive. Is the pollen that the bees collect ever used to improve our health? Completely. The, the bee pollen is actually collected inadvertently by the bees and it collects on the backs of their legs. They bring it back to the hive and then the young bees get fed that mixed with a little bit of pollen and that is called bee bread. And it's extremely nutritious. It's complete protein and it's an appetite modulator which means it will increase appetite if you are debilitated and will decrease appetite if you want to lose weight as well. But it gives you very high sustained energy and you can mix it in water, you can put it in a fruit smoothie. It's an incredible food of the beehive. America's far behind other countries around the world in using bee therapies, aren't we? Unfortunately, that is the case, but hopefully with your kind of show and other programs that we will enlighten in the public to pay more attention to the benefits of the beehive. Asia, Europe, the Muslim world is very, very up and coming in research and treatment protocols for all the products of the beehive, including the bee venom. So Americans really need to take a look. And also the honeybee is responsible for one out of three of the foods we eat. So we need to take care of her and educate the public. Isn't there a problem with beehives dying off lately? 
Well, that was colony collapse disorder, and that was based on, it's, it's not actually known yet what the exact cause or the one cause didn't affect the Northeast so much where I live, but I know in states, you know, out west, uh, beekeepers lost over 70% of their beehives. And it's called colony collapse because bees die off naturally. Like this winter, I lost, you know, 10 hives myself, but that's na- natural attrition. But in colony collapse, you go to the hive and the beehive is completely empty. As opposed to when you lose bees, you find a lot of dead bees in the bottom. The colony collapse, it's, they've just absconded. They're nowhere to be found, so they've left the beehive and have not been able to return because so something has messed up their navigation system somehow. And so there's different theories. One is that, you know, chemicals, pesticides. Another one is a, a virus or a, perhaps a bacteria in the intestinal tract. So it hasn't really been completely determined what the cause is. And it is worldwide. It's, it's, it's on a global scale. I heard one theory was that the electromagnetics, due to all the cell phone, radiation, and other things, were interfering with their natural navigational abilities. You know, I've really thought about that one, and I don't know. I mean, there's these bees where there are no cell phones and navigation systems, too, and they are experiencing colony collapse. So I don't think it's the one factor. I think it's a multitude of factors. And, one of the, and that may be correct in the sense that it's a conglomeration of things, and that could be one of them because it's stressful to the bees. Are there any other products from bees that are used in health treatments? I think we've listed about all of them. (laughs) I know. Well, the propolis is a really big one. You might want to do a whole other show on propolis because it is antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral, anti-cancer, reduces tumors, and the new research has shown that it's very effective in the treatment of certain cancers, even advanced cancers, and the reduction of pain in late-stage cancers. So it's very, very promising. Does it make any difference if a regular American honeybee is used or an Africanized bee? You know, it's the honeybee itself that is used, so I don't think it would make a difference if you use an Africanized bee, except that I wouldn't want to go collect those out of a beehive <laughs> and be chased for three miles or more. The European honeybee is much more gentle, very docile, actually, and she doesn't want to sting you, really, so you could just you know pick her up and just place her on the skin gently, and she just releases her stinger. So, I mean, I'm, I suppose you could use the Africanized honeybee, but uh, collecting them would be a problem. That was kind of my thought. That's why I thought I'd ask. <laughs> it's like, okay, you do it. <laughs> Basically. I assume that the best way for someone to find a bee practitioner would be on the website of the American Apitherapy Society? Yes, we have a whole database per state, and we have thousands of members in the, in the actual database and then active members. We have less active members, and we do encourage membership and support of you know, the research and education, or else you know, we won't be able to continue our work. And we hold conferences. If you come to a conference, you can actually learn how to do it yourself. All the theory is discussed. There's like a core course on all the products of the beehive. And then we have a practical session where there's demonstrations and you get to see how to actually bee sting yourself. And what it is is a lot of the people in the association are healthcare providers and also lay people. So you have a really interesting mix. And a lot of the healthcare providers, you have to be very careful because you have a license and it's a very um, fine line what's legal, what's not legal. So it's easier if you don't practice it in a practical way for like a practitioner would, and you do it just for yourself, your friends, and your family. You keep it there because otherwise the liabilities are just astronomical until we can get more of the research and education out there to the medical community, which is what the AAS is attempting to do. So, but we do have a list of practitioners in each state of someone who can help somebody else get started usually. 
Frederica, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to talk with me about bee venom therapy today and all of the other bee therapies. Well, thank you so much, Alan. Hopefully it piqued interest in the honeybees. Anyone wanting to learn more about bee therapies should visit the website of the American Apitherapy Society, which is www.apitherapy.org. You've been listening to the podcast edition of Unbreak Your Health, discovering the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'll be back soon with another edition, but to learn more about our guest today, please visit the podcast page at www.unbreakyourhealth.com. We'd love to hear from you about this program. Please send your questions and comments to info at unbreakyourhealth.com. This program is a joint production of Unbreak Your Health and Loving Healing Press. Thank you for listening. I'm Alan Smith, and I look forward to being with you again soon.